Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. Such an important day to celebrate, amen? Why? Because it is every day. So it's a day the Lord has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's be glad, amen? We know that, that things have not been our kind of normal, but our kind of normal is about time it came into the world where things are changed by God and not by man. Amen? Last Sunday, we had a great uh, opportunity to tag team preach and reach out to you and, and, and line upon line, you know, when, when Mary didn't realize the gardener was Jesus, but she knew his voice. And we learned how humility opened us up to a great door of power and that we are not renovated, but brand new creatures in Christ Jesus. And it finished up with me talking a little bit about sin and being uncomfortable. Sin makes us uncomfortable, but we don't want you to stay there. We want you to be able to go forward and come out of that ditch, amen, and live this life. I think in many ways, we don't know what it means to live. We know how to survive. Some of us don't really know how to repent. If we did, things would be different because repent means turn and go a new direction. It doesn't mean you're sorry. It doesn't mean you regret what you've done. It means you turn and you go a new way. And you don't turn and go a new way on your own. You turn and go a new way because your heart has turned. Amen? So let's find out about those things. Let's find out what it means to be uncomfortable and allow change to happen. When we're changed, it doesn't feel like what we felt like before. Change means we'll feel different. So not everything that's different is wrong. Understand me, sometimes we think, oh, I feel different, I'm not myself. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be my old bad self. You know, let that old man go down and don't let him revive. You know, I'm not going to hand out CPR, at the, you know, as you're passing out of the parking lot and we're going to revive your old man as you leave so you can go back on Monday and be who you were. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Matthew 10, 32, where it says, Think not, but it came to bring peace, but a sword. He says, First of all, whosoever shall confess me before man, him will I also confess before my Father, which is in heaven. But if you deny me before man, he'll also deny you before my father. So that's the place where we've got to say, we are not going to deny our Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of people, you know, I always thought, especially when I was younger, I thought, well, you know, and people say, well, if you ever had somebody pushing you back into a corner and say, it's your life or believe in Jesus. And I thought, you know, surely I'd be one of those. I, I'd easily say yes. I have since discovered that going through life, that is not an easy yes. And I think we're not honest with ourselves when we think so easily we'll say yes. We don't know 
I don't know what those people's lives were like. I have met a few people who have said yes in very dire situations. And when I met them and saw the choices in their life, I went, ooh, uh, there's a check and balance going on here in my heart. So we need to be honest before God. That humility that, that Pastor Neil spoke about last week, that place will bring us into a place where we can allow the Holy Ghost to come in and help us be honest. Bless the Lord. Amen. Because <laughs> we need to be honest if we're going to go anywhere. You know, I, I love the fact that, you know, when Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword and all those places we thought he was going to whip the devil. He, got th he was going to take out that sword and whip every religious person down so we could have a free life here on earth. We get ideas. I tell you what, <laughs> come on, Jesus, whip them all, kill them all, and then we'll be free. Isn't that what they thought when Jesus showed up and then, you know, and they threw down all the palm leaves. They thought, here it comes. It's going to be a bad day for the devil. Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, it didn't turn out quite the way they thought. When he talks about the word of God dividing us so that we can live. What does it mean to live? Have you ever thought what it would be like to have real freedom in Jesus Christ? Are there things in your life that you'd like to learn to do? How about time to study without interruption? having all the time that you want to just be at peace because you're not having to study something, fix something, go and do something, answer something, pray about someone's needs, bless the Lord. You could just love God. That's living. That's living. And that's where God wants to take us to the place where the things of this world don't have a part in us are not making our decisions for us, where we can live and live and enjoy the things that God has prepared. This is where real strength rises in God's people. It doesn't mean there's never gonna be trouble. It just means when trouble comes along, you're already living the good life and you just kind of pow and away you go, amen? So we wanna see that pow. Well, I want to see that pow rise up in you. I believe God wanted it too and he put that in my heart so it must be in yours, amen? <laughs> Did you follow me there? If he wants me to be strong, surely he wants you to be strong. He's strong and, then, and we're created in his image. And if he's strong, so should we be. I think that's fair. Praise the Lord. So what do you do when you make a mess and you fall down? People fell down, folks. I've fallen. That lovely helicopter will go on by, amen? It's probably looking at what we're doing. Everybody wave and smile. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Be blessed, people in the helicopter. Oh, there's two helicopters. Praise the Lord. They're looking for criminals, and we're looking for Jesus. Amen? Praise the Lord God. I love him so much, don't you? So what happens when you make a mess? Every person I've ever met has made a mess at some juncture in their life. Now, sometimes it's an accidental mess. You know what I'm talking about. How did I fall into that? Oh, my. How did I trip up there? God, I was trying so hard to do what was right, and I just made a mess of everything. There's those days. And I'm not talking about some, some of it's sin, but some of it's just plain old flesh having a party. I tell you, there's moments, and I think to myself, my, 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 I, I, not only that cup of mercy dropped over, but the place where I might hold my grace, there's a little cup in that. It's tipped over. You know, it says, my cup runneth over. Yeah, 
it just fell over. It didn't run over. It wasn't abundant. It went bam, and that was that. And I got nothing left for any of you. I've seen people do that when they're driving. I got nothing left. I just came out of church. It was really good, but I turned out into the road and bless God, get out of my way. I'm going home. I've seen some things. There's days when we feel like our cup is so empty, it can't be filled and we can't wait 24 hours for the new cup filling. But that was Old Testament, right? In Ephesians chapter five, it says, be being filled. God knew we needed it. He knew we needed that constant filling. He knows, he knows our name. He knows who we are. He knows where we live. And he knows we need more than just that mercy in the morning. We need it flowing all the time. There's a way to get that flowing, but you've got to get the junk out first. So how did people get up? Well, there are several different ways people can get up. As I said in the beginning, don't make excuses for it. Sin is sin and you repent for it. You turn and go a new direction because God's spoken to your heart. Here's a, here's a case of where Paul got up. And I think how he gets up is, is different. And it's not, maybe everybody can't do this yet, but there'll come a day. Acts chapter 14, verse 19. And there came thither Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul. There's a place where sometimes you feel in life you get stoned. I guarantee I haven't seen anybody in this era be stoned. Not here in North America, anyway. I haven't seen anybody stoned to death. Aren't you glad? Everybody say, amen, I didn't get stoned today. But some of you got offended. Some of you got unfriended. And when you got unfriended, you felt like people threw stones. Some of you have been rejected. I'm sorry. It hurt. I'm sure Paul was hurt because he had so many stones, he died. They left him for dead. When they stoned people, they didn't throw one rock. When you got stoned, you were covered in them. You'd be covered in stones. They did a good job. They knew half a job. They did the whole thing. So it's not just the fact that he gets up. He had all those stones on top of him. It's not just that his every bone would be broken in his body because of the stones and bruises and whatever else, and probably a head injury, right? And a heart injury, but he got up. We have a few stones thrown at us, a few offenses here and there, a few things that go wrong, a boss that doesn't treat us right, somebody in the store, Somebody on the street cut us off while we were driving. And we think we had a few stones thrown our way and we're under them. God has never intended any person to be under any stone and has given us everything we need to pass it by. What did Paul do? He says that having stoned Paul, they drew him out of the city. So we're assuming then they must have pulled some of the rocks off and drew him out. Supposing he'd been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him. Now, it doesn't say they prayed fervently. It doesn't say they did what Pastor Jason told us to do this morning. They didn't say yes and amen. They didn't say so bad he's dead. It just said they stood there. I thought, you know, I, I often look at the Bible and I think about seeing it like a video running. 
And I think to myself, now that's a video. Maybe when I get to heaven, I can backplay it and go back, you know, and see that. Because it would be interesting, all the disciples standing there. And then, you know, I can imagine them standing there looking at each other. Are you going to pray? Um, I, um, uh, uh, you know, who, who's going to lead in prayer? <laughs> Somebody better lead. Somebody, who, who, who uh, uh, you know, we'd be looking at each other quietly in the eyes. Is he dead? I don't know. Somebody should check him. Maybe somebody should go down there and see if he has a pulse. Sometimes we react like that after someone sinned. I've seen people fall. We all know and we've heard about ministers falling. And people are more keen to stand around and kick him a few times than they are to see if he's got a pulse and if he can live. Sometimes we'll see people fall. And we've got to be the ones who don't just stand about. We've got to be the one to go, can this man live? Can these bones live? And hear from heaven and jump on in and help them stand up. We don't want to be the stand around guys. Amen. We don't want to be the kick him while he's down guys. And as they stood round about him, he rose up. I'm glad he got up, aren't you? I'm glad. Some people in life, they'll have a kick and they get down and bless the Lord, you don't even know how they got up, but they are. Look at, there they go. Now, the interesting thing about people who get up quick like that, who get up and he goes into the next city and continues on with the ministry, that we think, how did he get up? Didn't he sin five times over? Now, I realize in this particular instance, Paul wasn't the one sinning. I know that. But there's a time where we've been offended and hurt and fallen down. We can get up just as well. We can just get up. If we will truly repent, if we will turn and go a new direction because our heart has been healed, our heart has been changed, Jesus has touched our heart, the blood of Jesus is working, and if it's not working, everybody should go home right now. Amen? Probably should share this video. People are having fun. Here, look, I'll do a Doreen there. She likes to do that. Come on, what's going on there? <laughs> Share the video. Invite your friends. Tell them you don't have to stop where you sinned. Amen? You can get up and you can go on. Now, that was Paul's way of going on, but there's another way because God, you know, he had some understanding. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. This is, we're going to have some fun here. And, and I understand the, the stage is creaking a little bit, but, you know, maybe, maybe as things go on, I'll get a little bit more space and a longer cord and I can run around, but we can't quite do that quite yet. Amen. So I have to try and behave myself behind the pulpit. Second Corinthians chapter seven, for godly sorrow works repentance to salvation. Godly sorrow is not you boohooing and crying all night. Godly sorrow is not you whining is not godly sorrow. Praise the Lord. And all the pastors went, amen. From In a global way, all the pastors went, amen. Godly sorrow works repentance. When it's godly sorrow, it works a place in our heart to turn. Right? Godly sorrow acknowledges the situation fully. 
as long as you're pressured and you feel pressure to excuse your bad behavior, you're not in godly sorrow. What do I mean by excusing bad behavior? Well, you know, I was really having a rough day. And I, and I know you'll understand that. And so sometimes we have done that expecting to have understanding from the person we, you know, not just from God, because sometimes we do that with God, but with people. We, with people, we do that. I was having a, a rough day. You know, uh, I've had this happen in my life and have that happen. And we begin to give them a laundry list of reasons why it was difficult for us and why we sinned. That's not godly sorrow. That's not you being sorrowful. That's you regretting. As long as you're apologizing for it, it's not repentance. As long as you're apologizing for it, it's not what? Repentance. All right. So we have this situation, and, and somebody's done you wrong, and so you make the excuses, and well, you were having a challenging day, and now you begin to relate to someone else on their challenging day. And we begin to make excuses one for another. Well, yeah, I understand that. I've had bad days too. And we begin to try and resolve this, watch it, with our human flesh. We try to resolve it through understanding. Now, understanding can bring us to a place of sympathy, but not godly empathy or the work of the blood, which is what's going to fix it. And this is why so many today are stuck and parked at their last failure. If you want to get up from a failure, you must start right here at godly sorrow, that place where you're, God, I am so sorry I have done this. I call it sin. I'm not calling it a mistake. I'm not calling it a failure. I'm not calling it a disappointment. I'm not calling it a bad day. I'm calling it sin. And it's hurt me. And in it, I hurt others. And God, I don't want to ever do that again. I receive the work of the power of the blood to cleanse me from this ill. You see, the problem with us today is we've skipped around and we've made fun and we've said all kinds of things about sin and we've tried to make it acceptable in our mouth. We've tried to make excuses and we've tried to use understanding to cover up the pain. And we remain in pain and the thing works like a submarine and goes deep. David talks about an incurable wound that he believed he had. Oh, this incurable wound. Why? Because he never had the power of the blood to get in there and let it get in there and fix it. And when he did, he rose up. When the power of the blood was allowed to do its power work, things changed. Hallelujah. We don't want to see a generation stuck because we have wrongly talked about the thing that sets people free. It is the power. Jesus went to the cross. We heard about that for the last five weeks, but we'll hear about it again until we get something inside that this is what brings the change. What he did was in our own mind and how we handle it sometimes, we, we really have a difficult time grasping. And, and that's true. It's hard to understand how one person could give their life for all of us, but he did. And we're grateful. So it begins, this process of coming out of it begins with your godly sorrow, which works 
It works repentance to salvation. What salvation? Everything you've needed that was done at the cross. It brings it to life and you begin to have this power inside and it begins to work God's work in your heart. And it says not to be repented of, not to be turned back on. When you have had godly repentance, it begins this this work in your heart. Now it doesn't take 10 years. This is not a, well, we're going to go on a journey and have the journey of the blood, try to do some long thing. And are, you know, are we there yet? No. The blood was already shed. Now is the time of salvation. The only delay is your decision in it. We're the only ones that can withhold the power of the blood. The only ones. Look at this. It says in the next part, we are only in one verse. The sorrow of the world works death. Isn't that the truth? In my life, I never saw when I was younger, these things at the side of the road where someone passed away. We've become a generation that's so focused on sorrow and doing it the man's way with man's ideas and man's solution that when there is a loss, we don't know what to do. The sorrow of this world works death and it keeps us in it. And as long as you meditate on the power of God, of godless sorrow, it will work death in your life. You say, well, what do you know about it? I know about it. I had so many people pass away, good friends, family within one year. I could have said, I'm having a bad day. Look how many people pass away in my life in one year. Look how many friends went home to heaven. What about last week? Yeah, I had some friends go home then too. I could have been stuck right down there in the sorrow of this world. Why did I not? Not because I'm strong in and of myself, because I didn't allow the world's remedy, the world's kind of sorrow to dominate my heart or my decisions. And I allowed the promises of God, the work of the blood to heal me where I needed to be healed. Amen. The sorrow of this world works death. Verse 11, for behold this selfsame thing, Here comes the great part. Are you ready to get up, folks? That you sorrowed after godly sorrow. You did it! Hooray! (laughs) What a carefulness. This is how you know. So we say, what what does this godly sorrow look like? This is what it begins to work. This is the harvest, the work of godly sorrow. These things will begin to happen. Not because you're forcing them. Not because you're trying to make this happen. But when the blood of Jesus is working and you have received the forgiveness, you've received the work of the blood, you believe that his blood cleansed you, you believe it's working. Now, this is what is going to happen with you and I. It's exciting. What carefulness it rotten you. Maybe the next time you're going to ask him a little bit more before you move out. God, did you really want me to do that? I struggled for a long time. I used to be one of these people who stayed up late and got up late. I used to say, I am not a morning person. (laughs) Give me a pot of coffee and let's go. I I didn't like mornings. I didn't do well with them. And I realized one day as I was walking into the office and Doreen was behind the desk and I was like, oh, I'm just not a morning person. (laughs) And you got the coffee on, kind of growly. And and, uh, I heard myself. 
And I thought to myself, mm-hmm. I was having exactly what I was saying. And so I realized in order to be a better morning person, I was going to have to go to bed at night. And staying up to two in the morning wasn't going to fix the lack of morning personality. And I, and let me say this, God had been trying to poke me here long before it ever came out of my mouth. He'd been trying to encourage me, go to bed, go to bed, go to bed. And I didn't listen then. You see, but when I turned, I was more careful about that voice, more careful to turn when he said this way, more careful, not because I was trying to be, because his voice was clearer now, because I didn't have all those other voices yapping in my ears. The carefulness, it worked in me. And a clearing of myself. I began to say, whoo, I did it. <laughs> if you've ever done right, and somebody said, well, you know, don't get into pride. Oh my goodness. You know, enjoy your doing right. God is. Amen. <laughs> what indignation. Yep. You know what indignation is? There's a place where, ha we got this. I don't have to trip up anymore. I'm not feeling bad. Oh, bless the Lord. I hate feeling bad and you hate feeling bad and it's your good to feel good. And when it is, it's like, hey, I got this. You can too. I know that there is this place inside that when it's settled in you, you just can't, you can't keep it. And there's this place, it's an indignation where it's got a strength to it. That thing's got strength. Hey, you don't have to get tangled up in that mess. There's a confidence in the clearing. I have great confidence in the blood that's freed me. I am not getting up every day worrying about what happened yesterday. Not doing that. None of you need to either. That clearing works a work when you really believe it. And you, and you go, well, I really believe this. This works. This works. This was a high price, and I'm going to use the price that Jesus paid. What a terrible waste. When we know that the blood of Jesus has been shed, he went to the cross, he took all this pain for every one of us, and yet we still got to wander around in pain without it? Doesn't make any sense, does it? He, he paid this great price, and you're going, it's okay, Jesus, I'll suffer on my own. And you'll never fix it that way. What clearing. What fear. Now, this is not being afraid of God. But that place where you reverence God and you honor him. The place where you say, oh, God, you are so good. And you see it like you've never seen it before. Just as part as God's work of his blood is taking place in your heart. These things flow out naturally from a cleansed heart. What vehement desire. Well, I think I'm a good example of that. And I'm not just saying that. I think I'm pretty wild. And, and I remember I was uh, 1985. And we were in Port Hardy at the time. And I was excited. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I was praying in tongues all the time. And I was leading people to the Lord. And I was having a great time with Jesus. And some of the elder Christians came to me and said, you know, enjoy the fire, sister, because, you know, it's there for a short time when you're young and 
as you get older, that thing just settles. Um, yeah, well, it hasn't settled yet. And well, I'm only halfway there anyway. Um, yeah, vehement desire. I, I'm still pretty passionate about Jesus. I haven't really settled and I have a lot of fire burning in my heart. So they were wrong. And that was a good wrong. It's okay to be wrong about something like that. Why is it a lie? Because you know what I realized? I didn't just need to repent the day I got born again. I've had to do it a few times since. I've needed the blood of Jesus every day of my life. I've needed its work. I've needed its power. I've needed its get up. I've needed its fill my cup today, Jesus. I've needed it more than once in one day. That's why I've got this passion for God that's unstoppable. And anyone can be in that place because that's what happens with godly sorrow. And then after that great passion, there's zeal. There's that fire. There's that I will not get put down. I will not get put out. And man, there's a revenge on sin. Bless the Lord. You know what I found out? I had a little bit of rebellion in my life. Anybody ever had to deal with that? And I realized the strength in rebellion. I had some strength in it. You know, if, the, if my parents said, go this way, I'd go that way until I realized I was wrong and they were right. And then I'd have to turn around. That was a mess. But I realized in rebellion, there was a strength. And I realized that and God showed me that in that strength of will, if it was turned into doing his will, Whoa, <laughs> and there was a revenge against sin. Ha, you haven't got me because now I know. I know God has blessed me with an iron will. And with that same iron will, I can say no to you. Sometimes we just got to figure out the strengths that God's put in our life. Now, some of you are quietly rebellion. You know what I'm talking about? Quiet rebellion. I tell you what, quiet rebellion. You're smiling but you rebelling on the inside. They say, we're going to go this way. And you're like, yeah, no. And you can sign. That's the eyes loud rebellion. That was easy to spot. But quiet rebellion, you're smiling. And you're thinking, I ain't doing that. Thank you, Pastor. I don't agree. Had someone come all the way in one day. And they came in, I need to speak to you. Now, you know, I've been in ministry a long time. So they came in and they said, you know, pastor, you've said some things and I don't agree with you. I said, it's all right. I don't agree with you either. And they were like, what? <laughs> i tell you what, the response was interesting because this person, it was a quiet, rebellious person. And it took a lot of them to come and talk to me that way. What do you mean you don't agree with me? Of the horror, because you're not practical and, and you don't make allowances to da, 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 and I, I want to be able to do these things. I said, I, I never said you couldn't do them. But the Bible does say that. <laughs> so I can't be in agreement with your sin. And they're like, huh? Like, like, and all of a sudden it was like I met a bird. That thing was, you know, like a, like, I don't know, fluff its feathers. <laughs> That's interesting. That quiet rebellion wasn't so quiet anymore. But you see, there was a strength in there that if that strength was turned in the saying no, 
was like, hmm, God put a strength in you to say yes to what he should. Yes and amen. <laughs> but there's also a strength to say no. It would be pretty hard if we went through life never able to say a strong no. What revenge? The place where we can all say more to sin. Whoa, hallelujah. See, I can't run around, but I can jump. Amen. Or stomp my foot. Amen. <laughs> the whole thing's shaking. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm sure Corey, one of our design people here, is thinking of all kinds of ideas. <laughs> How we can keep that thing stable. Amen. Are you excited today? And you get up and the blood of Jesus is going to work for you and you're not going to be under those stones. You're going to be stepping on them. Bless the Lord. That thing's not going to have you. You're going to get up. You're going to push back and you're going to have such an anointed no. Praise the Lord. Woo. Look at this. Now, I have it highlighted in my Bible verse and I have it highlighted everywhere. And I think if you've got a pen, you should underline it. I know this is King James, and you, some of you are using other versions. I like what it says in the King James here. In all things. Everybody say all things. No matter where you are, if you're watching at home, you say in all things. You have approved yourselves to be clear in the matter. Well, praise the Lord, Pastor. Such a clearing. In all things. In all things. When he's done the work in your heart, this is the fruit of that labor. All of these things begin to work. That carefulness, that zeal, that revengeful, ha ha, no to sin. <laughs> and in all things clear, all things clear. That thing won't have a bit of stick on you. There's no place he can attach. There's no place the devil can come back later and say, what about? There's nothing left of what about. There's no thing. He didn't just cover your sins. The blood of Jesus washed them away. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my transgressions from me. You can't find them. The blood of Jesus doesn't cover sin. There's a group out there right now. They're trying to cover everything up, not just with masks. Amen. They're trying to say it's okay to lay down and it's okay to go back and lament. And they're teaching people how to lament. And I'm teaching you how to be joyful, how to be strong, how to have a good no and a great yes. Yes to the blood. Yes to its clearing. Yes to victory living. Don't get pulled into that lamenting spirit. That's the world's kind of sorrow. And what was that? Death. And you'll know it because it'll have a harvest. You'll get up every day feeling depressed. You'll get up every day disappointed. Yes, sad for no reason, moping around, needing 10 pots of coffee. And you're not allowed to have caffeine. Then you're really in trouble. <laughs> Tell you what, God wants us free. And the blood of Jesus came to every one of us at a great cost. And we have the privilege of being able to walk in it, be free and clear in every way, in every way, and have a great anointed no. Turn with me to John chapter 15, please. 
I'm believing today for a work for all of you. That no matter what has happened, no matter what's gone in the past, that you'll grab a hold of the blood of Jesus like you've never grabbed a hold before. So that every time the devil tries to remind you of your past, you've gone, hey, you're the only one talking about it. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't let him try to submarine the thing. What do I mean by that? Well, you're finding John 15. I want you to hear me. Sometimes, because it's hard to face what we've done. And we adults, we need to walk in this. We allow the devil to put weights of this world on through reasonable words and push the problem down and submarine like a submarine go underwater for another day. That's not the work of the blood. That's not the work. Don't let him submarine your problem. Don't let him ever convince you that what's happened to you is too hard for Jesus to fix. Too deep a problem to come and get help from. Don't let the devil convince you of that lie. God is big and he's bigger than your problems. And the blood of Jesus washes that sin. Keep hearing that. And don't let him push the problem deeper. Amen. John chapter 15, as I read this to you today, I want you to hear this as a work in your life. I'm believing as I decree some of these scriptures that it's going to have an effect wherever you're watching from today. Whatever you're doing, I want you to know that this is the truth. Amen. John chapter 15, I'm going to start at verse 1 so that it makes sense when we get there. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that he bring forth more. So sometimes you might feel, but I didn't like freak out God, but he's still clipping you so that more fruit will come. Amen. Don't be afraid of the clipping. There's no avoidance. You're clipped both ways. Amen. Now watch this. It's so important. Verse three can be a decree right now, wherever you are. And before I decree this, I want you to right now, just take a moment, get that thing that's troubled you. That place where you felt like, man, if I just get that out of my life and you've been trying to deal with it on your own strength, every place where you've said, I'll never get over this, all that thing, that thing that's troubled you, whatever it is, I want you to get it up, pull it up. We're going to deal with it right now. There are many ways that Jesus brings healing. One of them is through the spoken word. Just like the centurion's servant, he said, only speak the word and my servant will be healed. Healing comes in many ways, and some of you need healing from that sin, not just the forgiveness. Some of you have tried to forgive. You've told Jesus, I'm so sorry, but it still troubles you. This is the way to walk out of that trouble. I'm going to speak and decree this word over you now, believing that it's going to have a work and then we're going to pray together. Amen. John 15, verse 3. 
We've heard the work of the blood of Jesus. We've heard the power of the blood of Jesus. And I decree in the mighty name of Jesus that now you are clean through the word I have spoken. Let it be in Jesus' name. And this is the place for you to say amen. Now you are clean through the word I have spoken. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, wherever you are, you just received that forgiveness. Jesus, I receive it. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your truth in my life. I will get up. I will walk free. I will be clear. I will walk in a harvest. Oh, the harvest of godly salvation, godly repentance that's working in my life, that godly salvation. I receive it. I believe it. I'm rising up and I am going forth strong. I am going forth free. I am going forth delivered and I will not be Stopped. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And everybody said, Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604 594 7327. Or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., B3W, 3B1. 